Welcome to another episode of The Spiritually Persistent Entrepreneur with your host, Sharon Wilson, founder and chief inspiration officer of Coaching from Spirit Institute and master spiritual business mentor. The intention of this show is to provide transformational tips, tools, strategies, and resources that support and empower you to soar and shine in your business now. Enjoy. Well, welcome everyone. I'm so excited you're listening in and so excited for our guest today. In our talk today, she'll be sharing about how to really consider a perspective of a new model of love. She's been talking about a new model of love. So let me introduce you to our amazing guest today. She's a marriage and relationship therapist and founder of Love Ed, an innovative personal growth company presenting a new model for love. She grew up in a family that was not intact and vowed to be smarter, but it wasn't until her long-term marriage ended that she made a revolutionary discovery about love. You'll hear more about that. Her research-based program soon turned her into a popular presenter on college campuses and a featured guest in numerous publications on podcasts and summits and news shows. And in 2020, she's designing an exciting new dating platform, just in time for everybody, to help create a shift in the way we love ourselves and others. I'm so grateful to have with us today, Dr. Isabel Springer. Isabel, great to have you. Oh, I am so super excited to talk to you and all of your listeners. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So, um, Isabel, I always ask all my guests, since the podcast is called The Spiritually Persistent Entrepreneur, well, what does being a spiritually persistent entrepreneur mean to you? Well, uh, it's uh, such an incredible title for a podcast, I'll tell you, and the idea that you have followers who um, relate to exactly that, right? Being this persistent entrepreneur Mm -hmm. is really never giving up, right? Mm -hmm. So really um, knowing in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit that you have something to offer the world and and never wavering from that that commitment that you have to being of service of, of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So can you share one challenge that stands out that you've faced that's helped you to activate that more in you? Uh, the, well, the spiritual part is really easy for me, right? So it's mm-hmm. more of uh, the challenge becomes uh, the enormous um, energy that is required to sustain a dream. Mm, So as we're journeying as entrepreneurs, we're really clear about our vision and what it is that we're wanting to cause in the world. But we also are human beings, right? With um, the need to, you know, tend to our our humanly responsibilities with children or partners or work. And to also... um, for many of us, moonlighting as the entrepreneur. So it's really such an extraordinary challenge to be present for our lives and the people in our lives and also know that we are making progress towards towards our goals and our dreams. 
So um, was there one challenge that you particularly remember or something that came up for you that really activated that in you? I know people usually say just one, but yeah, just like one time you can really relate to, uh, to our listeners. So you're asking about a one time in regards to help me? Yeah, one time that you, you know, one challenge that stands out that has activated you being more of a spiritually persistent entrepreneur. Mm, wow. So, yeah. Or just spiritually like, persistent because <laughs> it doesn't matter. You have to do it no matter what, right? Yeah, you know, um, and you're right when you said that most people, when you ask them that question, say, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, let me uh, try what? to narrow in on one thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the collective one. So as, as a therapist, mm. the one is each one that comes into my office, they are the one mm-hmm. for me, their heartache, their pain, their suffering, their struggle that fuels me mm-hmm. because so much of what they're they're sharing about and um that is such a cause for hurt for them is what i believe uh is required of a cultural shift in the way that people love themselves and others mm-hmm. and so with what i know now and with their mm-hmm. conversation and how that collides inside of me is the driving force for everything that I do. Love is the most important thing in the world. And the idea that someone would live a life without feeling truly loved, loving themselves and feeling truly loved by another is criminal. Mm-hmm. Well, that is really powerful, you know, and I absolutely agree. I mean, you know, it sounds like a platitude, you know, love is all there is and love is the most powerful force, but it, you know, I truly believe that that energy of love, I mean, it is more powerful than an atom bomb. If we could really harness that energy of, of love in its most purest perspective, which is what I believe we're all on the way to doing, you know, we're on our way on that path through some different parts of the path. But ultimately, that's really what needs to happen for us to have this uh, conscious experience and this conscious society and, you know, live, live in, in life and on the planet in, in more harmonious ways. But it's got to start with us, right? So why don't you share a little bit about how the end of your marriage turned into the beginning of this quest to find answers to explain why some people have great relationships and many don't. Why don't you share with our, our listeners a bit more about that? Yes, yeah, so thank you. I'd love to. So I grew up in a family that um, was divorced. My parents were divorced, uh, actually ended up being several times. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that initial divorce between my mom and my dad, um, the pain of that and the way that that impacted my life as I was becoming a young adult and really kind of struggling to have great relationships, I, it's, it's what I wanted the most. And so I 
I became a therapist. I had a master's degree in psychology. I I felt pretty well read. I felt intuitive. I, you know, made a list of all the things that I want and don't want in a partner. Mm -hmm. And I really, you know, I saw my parents as being um, just really illiterate about love, right? So they were they were children of the 50s um, and they became pregnant early on. So what, of course, they did back then to um, not disgrace their families was, you know, uh, getting married, not to have children out of wedlock. And they were just kids. They were teenagers, both of them like 18 years of age. Mm -hmm. So they really had no ability to, uh, you know, be powerful, um, conscious, you know, self-aware parents, they were just um, surviving in their own ways. And, but, but that really um, impacted my ability to have, you know, self-love and feel good about myself Um, after they divorced. And my, 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 my experience was that I felt so abandoned by my dad, who I really, did not see much after that until, of course, I became an adult and, you know, sought to have a relationship and and, and engage with him. Um, so my feeling throughout my life was that I was never enough. I was never enough for someone to pay attention to me, um, to love me the way that I would feel loved, um, to understand me, mm-hmm. and. Um, to fight to have me in their life. My belief was that I was not that valuable and worthy of someone insisting on having me in their life. And of course, um, that ended up becoming, uh, you know, just this theme in my life. So, so I really wanted to do things differently. I um, ended up getting married and Uh, being together with him for seven years and then uh, married for 11. I had a seven-year-old son and um, the marriage just was not working. We tried therapy and it was really a struggle. We were very much vinegar and oil in terms of our personalities. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, and I, I was confused by that because I felt when I initially met him it, it just seemed like it was supposed to, you know, go together. Like it just seemed like we connected on a certain level and then it, and then, and then it had changed over time. And then I got so lost in what all that was about. I wanted to be able to re- reconcile all the pain um, that I felt when the marriage finally was coming to an end and, and wanting to vow to myself to, to do love differently in my future, to have that possibility again. And so I was really obsessed about discovering what I had not learned, what, what, you know, what, what class did I miss or why Mm -hmm. did it seem like some people had great relationships, right? But I was more familiar with those relationships um, that were not working, that were all around me from friends and people that I had known. And it was rare that I you know, I was meeting folks who were professing really healthy, satisfying, fulfilling relationships. People, even though we were, they were in relationships, they were somehow complaining about them and, and feeling really unsatisfied, but, you know, not wanting to step out. And so I was just like, 
wait a minute, you know, like if we can send somebody to the moon, we can certainly get really clear about what is going on here in order to shift the odds in our favor of having great love. Like, what is it that we just need to know? Or is there something that we need to know that maybe we just don't, but some do? So I was obsessed by discovering whether in fact that was something that would be available to me in terms of knowledge. Right. Um, yeah. You sent out on this quest, like, I'm going to figure it out. You know, there's got to be a better way. I always say every time I hear a story when someone, you know, has this quest and they, they have this intention of there's got to be a better way you know, then like all the universal lines for them to find that way, maybe not right at that red hot minute, but I mean, you know, it's, it's like, that seems to be some kind of code, you know, I can see it in my own experience. I see it in, you know, so many people have been on my podcast. It's kind of like, you know, you just reach this point where you say, you know, there's gotta be a better way. And I think there's some kind of code in that, the then we're activated and then we're drawn into the people, the places, the circumstances. So what happened is you said, you know, there's got to be a better way. So then what happened? Yeah. So what I ended up doing is um, I started to get online and do research mm. um, about this topic, love and relationships and success and failures and what that was all about. And I came upon some research um, that really ignited something inside of me. And I was very taken by the concepts that um, this researcher was just, just speaking about. And it was just, it, it seemed so plain and obvious, but something that I had never really distinctly considered. And especially in terms of assessing my previous partners and making decisions about the relationships that I was you know, choosing. So what I discovered that is the new model for love that became the new model for love. That is what my, you know, the book that I am writing right now is all about and everything, the dating app that I'm creating is founded in this new model for love. So what I got clear about is that there are two components that make up a love relationship and they are distinct and separate and they are romantic attraction and emotional maturity. Okay. And so when I started to think about that, them being separate, um, what we do just as people is the um, component of romantic attraction, which is so significant and important to satisfying and fulfilling long-term relationships is um, we uh, don't account for the emotional maturity component. Mm -hmm. So how we get together and find each other very often in, in, you know, in, in meeting potential partners is we, we meet someone and we feel this strong attraction towards them, this chemistry, this, you know, this, mm -hmm. um, this force, right? So that creates for us um, then an opportunity to explore, well, who is this person? You know, what are they about and, and such, but what is driving our interest is the attraction and the power of that attraction is so strong that we are in headfirst into a pool of infatuation. And it is feels it's infatuation is so incredible, but it is a stage of a relationship. And it's the first 
12 to 18 months. And I always tell those who I work with in terms of the stage, just think about infatuation uh, being the first year of your relationship. So this is the stage where you don't know who someone really is and you cannot accurately assess for their emotional maturity. So the way that we feel most loved is the experience of emotional maturity inside of a relationship, but we can't account for that mm -hmm. until in the infatuation stage has completed itself. Mm -hmm. So what I'm teaching people is, hey guys, you know, this thing called love and our commitments to other individuals and, you know, we end up, you know, creating families or investing our lives in people's lives. We get so tangled up and there's so many needs that, you know, we want to be met. We want to actually have the experience be that which what we dream about, which is fulfilling and satisfying. It's not that it needs to be perfect, you know, but it is healthy and it's supportive and it is really good for us in order for us to become the people that we're meant to be. But when we make decisions in the stage of infatuation, we become overcommitted, emotionally overcommitted to someone only to then discover later after we are so completely attached and it's hard to step out. And, and we, we, you know, we are you know, shouting it from the rooftops that this is my new partner. We are, you know, changing our Facebook status. We are telling this person, I love you. We are making all of these commitments. And then we become more committed to the commitment that we made instead of stepping out of a relationship that starts to become riddled with red flags. We feel foolish to step back after making all these announcements. Right. So, we want to just slow this process down okay. and to be able to assess for emotional maturity, but after the infatuation stage. So what do you suggest for people, especially, you know, if how, how, what do you recommend for people when they're, they, they want to find someone that they really feel connected to. So they're making their lists, they're putting their visualization boards together, you know, they're doing all of those kinds of things energetically, and then they're putting themselves out there. What are, is there some um, tips or strategies, um, maybe one or two that you can give us? Cause we'd love to have you back because we've got to dig into this in you know, a deeper way. So is there something that you can provide for folks? And I know you brought a gift too so that will also help people but what would you suggest to people now that you've kind of laid this foundation about the idea that these are these two areas there's the infatuation and then the emotional maturity that we really need to be um really be aware of so what are your recommendations or tips sure well during the stage of infatuation we just want to slow it down and really have oh, okay. this be about discovering someone mm -hmm. infatuation is so much fun and we can say things other than I love you. We can say, I am just so infatuated with you. I really like you. I'm, you know, really enjoying getting to know you. You know, I'd love to have you meet my friends, my family, et cetera. But really being mindful of the way that you're speaking about your relationship. You're not introducing that person as, hey, this is my new partner, because you haven't assessed them yet. So mm -hmm. you would want to introduce them as, hey, this is my friend, or this is, you know, Steve or Julie, um, I'd like you to meet my family. 
you didn't qualify it and say, this is my new partner. Mm -hmm. So that that language is important from your perspective, while you're going through that infatuation phase, which we know all always happens. I know one thing when we talked before you were saying about um, not saying I love you and not committing it that it is a, 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 you know a um, a partner relationship is, is that right correct yeah not changing your facebook status okay uh you know those kinds of things you want to really create an opportunity for you to mindfully be discovering someone in such a way that what you're thinking the whole time is is this person worthy of my love worthy of my commitment, worthy of my investment. Because when I love, I love big. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would think that's yeah. really for women, I would think that that's really very valuable, because, you know, a lot of times that in my experience, uh, you know, seems to be something that men will get kind of spooked at, especially if women are already, you know, already, you know, talking about the future and already talking about that kind of stuff. It kind of can tend to overwhelm them. I mean, that's just been my experience. So it would seem to me that that would really kind of, you know, dial it back and, you know, to have this, this intentionality where, and I love that idea where it's about really kind of evaluating, you know, is this someone I might be interested in having a relationship, a real relationship with, you know, a committed relationship, but that there is going to be this uh, uh, infatuation stage and to recognize that and acknowledge that for yourself. Yeah. So uh, Sharon, like also uh, letting this new partner know as well. So when they, when Mm. they say to you, I love you, you know, after men three and they're, they're, they're talking, I love yous. Mm-hmm. You don't want to say, I love you back. You want to acknowledge them. They're, they're able to say, you know, whatever they want, that's on them. But you want to be able to respond to that and say to them, thank you for sharing how you're feeling about me. I'm really, you know, enjoying getting to know you. And uh, this has been really wonderful so far. Mm -hmm. You don't want to say, I love you back. Mm -hmm. That's what we automatically are, you know, wired to do. But again, you are in the business of understanding your value and your worth on such a level that you are affording yourself the mindful approach of assessing of what assessing whether or not somebody is worthy of you long term. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, the way that men experience very often women mm-hmm. in terms of straight relationships, right? Right. Is that, you know, women start to talk about, you know, the we. They start to talk about we, like a, there's a future we there. And being very future focused and wanting to, you know, have that assurance about the commitment early on and what's going on. And I say to all of you, no, 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 turn that around. You want to be in a position of, you know, having this person get that what you're about is you're, you are so valuable 
because you love so big, you have so much to offer someone's life that you're going to be very selective. Not anyone gets to be with you mm-hmm. and that you're not going to be fooled by chemistry and romantic attraction, that you're going to acknowledge that that is just infatuation and you're loving every second of it, but you're not going to call it love because infatuation is not love. And that is the biggest, mm-hmm. biggest piece of advice that I could give anyone. Do not ever misunderstand infatuation and call it love because when we call it love we're screwed mm-hmm. that's a good that, that that's a that's a good soundbite <laughs> actually you know because really when you think about it so basically it sounds to me that you're saying for that first year let's say you you know and I always say you have to spend like four seasons with someone you know, before you really kind of have a sense of how, you know, what they're like after a year, because, you know, everyone's on their best behavior for that very beginning anyway. Absolutely. Right. And then there's that honeymoon period, even though we both know it's the infatuation that goes on longer than what people think the honeymoon period is, you know, but then people really start to show you who they are pretty, pretty soon. You know, I think Maya Angelou said, you know, when people show you who they are, believe them. You know, Absolutely. Right. But I love what you're giving is this is this boundary to say, if I'm hearing you correctly, you know, if you start seeing someone, you know, make a commitment to yourself for at least a year. I will not say I love you and I will not commit that this is a partnership, that this is a partnering. This is an official partnering. Is that what you're saying? I am absolutely screaming that from the rooftops. You know, what I love about that too, is it really puts you in a bigger place of empowerment because, you know, you really don't know this person. And I mean, it's amazing to me after just, you know, a a month or so, you know, people are already, oh, you know, I'm in love and, you know, and, and, oh, you know, we're, you know, we're in this committed relationship. And it's kind of like, wait a minute, what do you even know about this person? You know, because it takes time to create any kind of a relationship. It's kind of like, to me, it's like, let's say you think about a best friend, you know, you don't meet somebody and a month later say they're your best friend. I mean, it takes time (laughs) for someone to get that esteemed status of my best friend or one of my best friends even, you know, but yet when it comes to romantic relationships, we don't, we don't seem to be as discerning. Is that, is that what, you know, your experience is? Oh, that is my experience and the experience of um, millions and millions of people, right? So what I also want to add to this is then people ask me the question, well, when can I make a commitment? When Mm -hmm. can I say I love you, right? Right, right. And and so what I want to say to that is definitely not during the first year, absolutely unequivocally no, right? Mm-hmm. You are assessing for emotional maturity um, and just enjoying their company and getting to know them. And so it's after the first year that we really start to look at who they are emotionally. Mm-hmm. Are they consistent in who they're being? Are they trustworthy? Can I depend on them? Do they have integrity? Do they give their word and then follow through? 
Are they always late? Are they coming up with excuses? Are they showing signs of being needy, possessive? Are they uh, lying? Are they, um, am I experiencing them kind of being bullies, bullying a waiter, mm, mm-hmm. you know, a service person? Yes. Uh, how, do they, how do they speak about their parents? Yes. How do they talk about past relationships? Oh my gosh, that's a huge one. Yes. These are all the things that you want to be looking at during infatuation is you're in a discovery process, but the real, real um, um, range in terms of a timeline in order to make a larger commitment is to know this. The first two, uh, the first year is infatuation. The second year you are assessing for emotional maturity, straight up assessing for it. Because at the basically at the end of year two, it's between year two and year four, is the experience that you're having is what you're gonna get. So for example, year one is infatuation, year two, I'm straight up assessing for emotion maturity. Year three, I'm experiencing this person fully out of infatuation. And what I have discovered about them and their emotional maturity. And then if this third year can replicate like a science experiment, if it can replicate and prove itself to be consistently the same, if not better in the fourth year of knowing this person, I'm all in. Or I'm questioning that this is the, a future partner for me because it's not consistent. And I don't think I can overcome these red flags or these, you know, bumps in the road. And then I'm out. Wow. That's really an investment. And so are you saying even up until like year one, is there any point along that four year potential continuum that you would start to say, just the language as far as this is my boyfriend or girlfriend. Is that just not after year one or is that all the way through? Uh, After year one, we're going to call that the infatuation stage. Then you can absolutely identify this person as your partner and introduce them, change your Facebook, Facebook status, tell this person, I love you. Absolutely. Got it. But in terms of, in terms of anything like longer term, you know, say like getting married or anything like that, we definitely want to move into these other stages that you were talking about. Absolutely. You don't want to start to talk about marriage in year two. You can talk about it like, you know, as a general conversation about future, but in terms of talking about details and being, you know, committed and saying, Hey, you know, I would like to marry you during year two. Oh no. Oh no. Mm. You're not going to do that because what you're doing in year two is you're assessing for emotion maturity the entire year. And when you get into year three, that's when you can start to talk about, yeah, you know, a future commitment without being committed, but you can start to talk about, you know, the things that are important about the future and where we see this relationship and, you know, how we're feeling about this relationship and taking the time to invest in, you know, becoming skilled, um, healing our past, because in order to really have that relationship 
be fulfilling and satisfying and long lasting and healthy is to be able to say to each other, let's work on healing ourselves, doing the work that we need to do regarding our childhoods and the things that we carry, that we unconsciously bring into this relationship. Let's get that cleaned up. Let's do it together. Let's let's be on a journey of personal growth together. And so if somebody is joining you in that way, have fun in year four to start to plan a wedding. I really love this model. It's just very interesting. People need to look at this from a different perspective. And um, I would love to have you back to share more. I I think this first part is for people to kind of digest this whole idea. Um, And I know you have something that you uh, are offering to people to kind of get them into this, into this new love model. So what do you want to share a little bit about the, the free gift that you have? I know we'll be putting that on the episode page and in our directory. Yeah, it's called the Self-Care Starter Program. So this is um, just a a brief document and it's for um, those, uh, it's broken down into relationship status. So if you're single or divorced, um, it, it, it is custom catered to what you might be thinking about in terms of how to start a personal growth journey. What does it mean to love yourself? Um, you know, what would those kind of, what would be like a, a brief experience of what that means to try that on and um, be able to really understand what, you know, what is available to you. So it, it's kind of like a jump starter, kind of initial dipping your toe into mm-hmm. personal growth and uh, yeah, getting you started. That sounds fantastic. I'm really excited about that. Now folks can get that on the episode page. <clears throat> you know, one, one uh, question came to me before I ask you if there's anything else you want to share was, you know, there seems to be a lot of pressure, especially I know you've done a lot with uh, colleges and things like that, but about um, being physically intimate, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, oh, then people jump into, um, you know, we're, we're boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, I love you. Now we're sleeping together, maybe even before that. So do you have any thoughts on just the physical intimacy as it fits into this love model? And, and monogamy yeah. too, like, you know, that first year, is it, you know, I mean, is there anything that you can kind of share a little bit on that? I mean, I'd love to have you back on that and other things, but it just kind of popped in my head to, to ask you that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for most people um, who are, um, you know, comfortable with becoming intimate with a partner outside of, uh, you know, a marital commitment, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in, in for those folks, um, absolutely, they're, they're being intimate, um, having sex and on all of that during this stage of infatuation, that, okay. that's a really fun part for them. However, what I wanna, and I will again, come back and share so much about this. The thing about sex is, is that it has no meaning other than the meaning that you give it. Mm -hmm. So try on the concept of getting really clear about what does sex and intimacy mean to you personally. Mm -hmm. And then from that place, check in with your person that you are starting to discover and ask them what would sex starting to incorporate, you know, being intimate be for them? What is the meaning 
of sex for them personally. Mm-hmm. What is it and what it's not? So for them, it could mean something like it's not a commitment, it's just fun. Yeah. Doesn't have any real meaning. But for you, you might be thinking to yourself, oh, no, sex is sacred. This means that we are exclusive. Um, This means this is the foundation for thinking about future. This is something that, um, that has great meaning and needs to be, uh, you know, held in a very tender, compassionate, Mm -hmm. um, sensitive way. So in that case, you have two people with mismatched meanings Mm -hmm. about sex because sex is just a physical act. It's like, it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. rock climbing, Mm -hmm. having sex, rock climbing. Okay, great. These are two activities and neither one of them have meaning other than the meaning that you give them. Yeah, and I think it's really important to be clear. I think a lot of times women will think, oh, yeah, it's fine. I can just do that and it can just be fun. But they really have to be, you know, really be honest with themselves. Um, is that really true for me? You know, mm-hmm. and, and I think more more so in my experience, women, I just think they get more, um, even more involved whenever intimacy is included in it, they get even, you know, even deeper connected at times, some women, that's just been my experience. But um, so I always say, you know, to me, it's important, like you had said, be honest with yourself about that so that you can then be honest with this person that you're discovering. So you're not saying to that person, oh, no, it's fine. I can just be discovering. But then that's not really what you mean. Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Absolutely. You have to be really clear and honor whatever it is for you. Absolutely. And I completely agree with you, Sharon. That has always been my experience. When you start to become sexually um, engaged with someone, the idea of just friends is, is, is just that it's out the window. It, we don't, we're not built like that, especially for women. Sex is like, it's like glue. It's mm-hmm. such an attachment um, experience. Um, and we we don't want to, you know, not be mindful of that. So that is what is so important about not over committing and labeling this relationship. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can say that. That's really, that's amazing. I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm so excited for what you're doing and, and, and all the things that are going to come together this year uh, with your, your dating site and all of those things, because this is what's really been needed. Is there anything you want to um, say, um, Isabel, in closing to folks? So thank you. I would love to say that we really owe it to ourselves to make the connection that our childhood experiences um, were impactful um, in many, many ways and on different levels and that the impact of our past is what we bring into our adult relationships unknowingly. And in order to really create a real opportunity for us to create loving relationships, really satisfying and successful relationships, is to be able to start with ourselves 
and some self-inquiry. So going to therapy or reading books or taking courses that are about the impact of what happened and being able to heal that. That's what we owe ourselves. Mm -hmm. Loving ourselves that much to not skip over that um, abandoned child that lives inside of us mm-hmm, and to really check in with that part. And, you know, it, it's what we deserve. And th- this is part of the insight and the awareness and the tools that are available. We just have to seize them um, because we are aware of them and we value that and really get that that is such a key because in a relationship, we are inheriting that that wounded partner the parts of that person's life that has been wounded, we are inheriting that and they are inheriting that in us. Mm-hmm. So to have an awareness about it um, is just such an incredible foundational conversation with any potential partner is to be able to speak straight to that. That is absolutely beautiful. So I am really excited. We we absolutely have to have you back on. I want to really encourage everyone, go to the episode page and get um, um, Isabel's amazing gifts because that will start that self-exploration that will really support you in that. And you really owe and deserve, you deserve it and owe it to yourself to do that. You know, that's really what it's about is starting with ourselves first. So um, Isabel, thank you so much for being with us. And I really um, just uh, appreciate you and your service and your light. We send you uh, much, much uh, energy for the continuance and the expansion and the growth of your service and your light. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for this amazing opportunity. And I just send out all my love to all of your listeners and uh, I'm here to support and to serve. Thank Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. So everybody will see you living lives of love and peace and joy and health and prosperity always and always. And we'll see you back here next time, everybody. Do you hate selling yet love to be of service? In my free masterclass, you will discover three soulful secrets to client conversations that feel joyful, easy, and fun. Using these secrets, one of my clients made $8,000 in one week, and another client made $100,000 in less than six months. Register now at www.coachingfromspirit.com masterclass.